G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilos or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss now for over a year. I wanted to bring this series of podcasts to you to give you an insight into what that journey has been like. I also wanted to give you some information about intermittent fasting, talk to people that are doing it, and bring in some experts in the field, including some leading authors of some great books about the subject. Talk about the highs, the lows, the triumphs, the celebrations, the negatives, the positives, and everything in between. Nothing is a silver bullet, as they say, but intermittent fasting is about the closest thing that you can get to a perfect health plan with a side effect of weight loss. So sit back in the next few weeks and enjoy life on the fasting highway with us. Thank you. G'day. Welcome to the Fasting Highway. And this is episode 11. So today I'm here with Ryan Smith. And Ryan is from Maine in the United States. And Ryan is a school teacher and has been so for over 20 years. And Ryan is the co-author of the book Unbelievable Freedom, along with his wife Kim, and is also the author of Fasting is the Foundation. And Ryan's health and transformation journey has been nothing short of spectacular breathtaking, and simply inspiring. So here to tell us all about that journey today is the amazing Ryan Smith. G'day, Ryan, and welcome to the Fasting Highway, and thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a real pleasure, mate. You're someone I admire greatly, and I've followed your journey for some time now, and I I find it a very inspiring one. But Ryan, outside the groups, uh, there's probably a few people listening to that podcast that may not know of your story. So if you wouldn't mind just going over a bit of your backstory and what led you up to actually finding about intermittent fasting? Well, for me, it's been a very uh, long road. Uh, I started gaining weight when I was a kid, somewhere around uh, age eight, uh, and basically gained weight all the way through uh, young adulthood. Uh, I had uh, a bit of a medical crisis. I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was 29 and uh, lost a lot of weight um, with a vegetarian diet. Um, Later, I gained it all back and was re-diagnosed with diabetes, then lost it again with a low-carb diet. Um, Through all of that, as I went up and down, I studied every diet that ever came along. I, I bought every diet book. I read everything, but uh, either tried it briefly or or didn't even try the things I was reading about. Uh, I actually learned about intermittent fasting quite a few years ago. I, I read Bert Herring's book, um, The Fast Five uh, Diet, and I was intrigued by it and tried it for a day or two. Uh, but at the time, it was just too extreme for me, or, or I thought it was, and I forgot all about it. Uh, a few years ago, I was uh, struggling to keep the weight off once again and my wife found jen stevens book on pinterest and she decided to try that and i was reluctant at first but after a few weeks when i saw that things were going well for her i decided to try it again and that time it clicked and the rest is history wow and so ryan when you first came to intermittent fasting what was your actual fasting protocol and how did you actually choose that Well, I decided if I was going to do it, I was going to jump in 
uh, with both feet and and do it as well as I thought I could. So I, I started with about um, a three hour, three or four hour eating window. And I followed that every day. Um, I set up a, a fairly consistent rhythm of opening with a snack and then eating a big meal and, and closing with some sort of small dessert. Uh, and that seemed to work. Um, and I just stuck with that. And really for the first, I don't know, year or two, I, I probably followed that that protocol pretty tightly. Yeah. And were you eating all the things, Ryan? Was there anything you were restricting in your window, like alcohol or any food? Uh, not really. Uh, one of the things that convinced me to try it uh, when Kim started to do it was that we had spent years not eating the same things. And it just, it wasn't good. You know, I would eat part of a meal. She would eat another part of the meal. We had to eat separately sometimes. And we had really, for many years, had not had that experience of sitting down together and eating the same meal. And this seemed to be offering me the opportunity to do that. And even though at the beginning it felt sort of naughty and I, I felt kind of scared about doing it, I, I brought in um, some grains and carbs and things that I had been shunning for a while. So I really didn't restrict anything. I, I tried to use common sense and I like tried to observe binge behavior and, and tried to be sure that I was eating food for the right reasons, but I, I didn't restrict any, any food groups. And it really gave me sort of the, the freedom to live a normal life again. Yeah. So what was your actual weight looking like? If you don't mind sharing when you first started that intermittent fasting protocol, Ryan? Um, it's really hard to say. I've been up and down so much that I, I don't have like a sort of a, a clear picture of all my ups and downs. I know that the highest I ever remember weighing was about 278 pounds um, at my height. Um, I had taken that off with the low carb diet and regained somewhere around 40, 45 pounds. And that's when I was starting to panic a little bit that the low carb thing wasn't going to work for me long term. Uh, and that's when I started fasting. So I really only lost about 45 pounds. Uh, with fasting, but it's allowed me to maintain that overall loss of 120 pounds uh, for about three years now. Well, that's fantastic. And so, mate, when you're uh, overweight or obese, would you say you're addicted to any type of food or was it just a, an accumulation over a period of years um, with some poor behavior with food? Um, I'm always really careful with the word uh, addiction because I, I don't know if I'm if I'm qualified to say if it's a true addiction. I, I, I will say that my relationship with food was not healthy. It was it was definitely compulsive. Um, I ate food for all sorts of emotional reasons. Uh, I ate food constantly, like sort of at the height of my bad behavior. I I, I would eat pretty much around the clock. Uh, and I, and I ate lots, like mass volumes of, of food and, and, and lots of junk food. Uh, I, I still think I have a, a tendency to be hardwired to like to eat a lot of food at once, which is why fasting has, has worked well for me. I like to eat big portions and I prefer to eat really hearty portions less frequently. That works for me. Um, grazing doesn't appeal to me as as much but i definitely think the relationship with food was a twisted one i was not using food for the right reasons 
And I think through fasting, I've started to realize what those real reasons were all about. And now I can sort through that and have a healthier relationship, not just with food, but with, with everything. Uh, yeah. Now that I... Did you find, mate, over a period of time, sort of how long did it take before you got to that stage where your taste started changing and you started to seek that higher quality just as a natural progression? Did that happen? Uh, well, it happened really quickly for me, I think, because I had been through the weight loss before. And when I started to gain the weight back right before fasting, I had been eating like a low carb paleo style thing. And so my, my eating had been fairly clean. It was just, it was just restricted. Uh, and fortunately I like everything. So I don't feel like I'm missing out if I eat healthy food. So when I started fasting, it wasn't hard for me in the same way that I see it being hard for some people in the community. I wasn't giving up diet soda at that point. I hadn't been drinking that for a long time. I, I hadn't been eating tons of really garbage food. Um, so I think the transition was a little, a little easier for me, um, though some of those temptations are still there. And that's one of the things I like about fasting is that occasionally I can eat something like that, but keep it in proper perspective. Yeah. And so when you started fasting during that fasting period, were you clean fasting or, or what were you doing then? Yeah, I, I jumped in both feet with that. I think for a couple of maybe a couple of weeks, I was still drinking my flavored coffee. I, I really loved flavored coffee. And I still I'm, I'm very drawn to different flavors and packaging and and marketing. So if someone puts some flavor of coffee out there with like a snazzy name, I, I'm drawn to that. But I, I accepted pretty early on that uh, it wasn't the best course of action. And something just appealed to me about the, the simplicity of saying, look, when I'm fasting, I'm going to drink black coffee and water and that's it. Like, I, I just, I like that sort of extreme decision. Like, you know, there's no decision-making, there's no haggling about, can I have this much lemon or that, or, you know, I just don't have to worry about that. I just fast clean. It feels better uh, psychologically and physically. And I think it does contribute to the overall success of fasting. Oh, most definitely. And I sort of was of the same opinion right from the start too, Ryan. And I'm a great believer that if you aren't clean fasting, then quite simply, you aren't fasting and you're not giving your body that time it needs for the magic of the clean fast to work. So did you get anything like blood work done or what was that looking like prior to fasting? Was that a bit ropey or was that all in order? Well, I... My, my blood work has been something I've been pretty clued into for a long time. I was, I was 29 when I was diagnosed with diabetes the first time. So since that, I mean, the, the medical establishment um, here, once they label you diabetic, they don't really let that label go. So my, my doctor has always monitored my blood sugar since that point. Uh, every time I lost weight, my blood sugar came right down to really awesome levels. I've never had any problems with that as long as I'm not carrying a lot of extra fat on my body. So I've always been really clued into that. Uh, I have noticed that with fasting, everything has come down to better levels than before. Everything seems really steady. Like I, I never have any concern that cholesterol is going to be too high or that my A1C is, is going to go up. Uh, I think it really has uh, helped with all of that though in you know in the spirit of honesty my my blood numbers were were pretty good before um, as long as I was at a healthy weight yeah 
And so, mate, we talk about mindset a lot and the mental part around intermittent fasting. What did you sort of do to get your mindset into a space where you just adapted to the intermittent fasting lifestyle? Um, I think, well, I'm kind of stubborn. You know, when I get an idea in my head about something I'm going to do, I can do it for a long time before cracks kind of sneak into that and, and I start to to give up on it. That's why I was able to go vegetarian for a couple of years and why I was able to do low carb for a couple of years. It was out of pure force of will. Um, so I think when I started fasting, I was a little nervous about going 22 hours without food, but I just decided, well, that's what you're going to do. You know, you're just going to do it. You're going to white knuckle through it. Uh, I didn't find it to be that difficult, but it was just a, a, a total mental shift. I was, I just decided, look, you're, you're going to eat in that three hour or so window, you'll eat what you want. If you eat too much in that window, that's okay. Just keep the clean fast and keep it as long as you said you were going to do it. And that has, has worked. Cause I think at first you, a lot of people do need to just power through because it's so foreign to go that long without food. It doesn't feel normal at all at first. Uh, and then once you do it a little bit, I think that sort of the physical aspects of fasting support you in that so that you no longer have to white knuckle it it just becomes more intuitive and it starts to feel like oh this is how we were supposed to eat in the first place and then it sort of supports itself and you don't have to try so hard anymore yeah that's great and so when you first started out ryan obviously it is quite a, a shift to what the norm is how did your friends and family and i know you're a school teacher how did your colleagues sort of accept the fact that you were doing IF or did you keep it fairly lowbrow when you started? I, I basically just didn't draw attention to it. I didn't hide it, but I didn't make a big point of talking about it either. Uh, I think at the time I started fasting, my colleagues were already aware that I was had lost a lot of weight. They had watched that happen when I was doing low carb and they knew that I ate a, a certain way. Uh, when I started fasting, I, I think it was at the, the late part of a summer. So when I started a school year, I just wasn't eating anymore. And people did notice after a few days, um, I, I initially got more of a concerned reaction, like people thought I must have forgot my lunch and offered me food. And I just basically brushed it off and said, Oh, I'm just I'm doing a thing. I, I'm doing a thing. I'm, I'm trying a fasting thing. And people just kind of shrugged their shoulders and went back to what they were doing. Um, yeah. as I, as I took weight off, people started to notice and, and asked more questions. And what I found is that there's, there are people who are really interested and want to ask me about it. And there are people who just couldn't care less and they're doing what they're doing and, and that's okay too. Yeah, exactly. Right. So what about, we talk about the non-scale victories and health benefits that come from fasting what were some of those occurring in the sort of first six to 12 months of your journey with IF? Uh, I would say early on, it was more about uh, hunger and, and sort of cravings. Like that sort of thing went away really quickly. It became easy. It started to feel like I wasn't being uh, governed by food anymore. Like I was going through my day and doing other things and I, I wasn't thinking about food in the same way. That was That was pretty impressive. And as time went on, I think more overt physical things started to show up for me. Uh, I definitely think that I'm, I'm leaner at this weight than I was the previous times I was at this weight. My, my body looks different at 
you know, 168, 170 pounds than it did when I lost weight other methods. Um, things are, are tighter. Um, I've noticed some like skin tag type things disappear. Um, I, I think I look younger now than I did, um, you know, five, 10, even 15 years ago, uh, losing weight with other methods. So I, I really, and I think I've built more muscle too. So I think ultimately fasting has benefits that go way beyond weight loss, which is why I'm, I'm excited when I hear about people who don't even have a problem with weight uh, who are starting to take on fasting because I think it should become more mainstream for health and not just for uh, weight loss. Yeah, your transformation and your lovely wife, Kim's, is nothing short of sensational, Ryan. And every time I see your pictures, I almost gasp. It's just it's just so overwhelming when you look at them. And even though I'm, I'm a guy myself that's lost a lot of weight and I know I look very different too, but when you see people like yourself and Kim, people must have just said to you, what has happened to you guys? And like people that hadn't seen you for a while, they must have just about fell over. Yeah, it was it was very, it was strange really to when that first happened because I had been through it before. You know, I had lost a lot of weight before and people are very, it's just, it's just sort of uh, drawn to it. People are very curious about it. We have a, a culture I suppose this is true around the world, but American culture is really obsessed with, with weight. You know, it's, if, if you live here, you know, you know the message that you're supposed to be thin. And if you're not, there's something terribly wrong with you. And so when you lose weight, everyone wants to know how you did it. And people like to talk about it. We've been very humbled by the, the reactions to the photos. And, and I think we're very lucky that our photos are striking because it's made people interested in how that happened for real. And, and it's started a lot of conversations for us about fasting that I hope help people genuinely and, and don't lead them, you know, just towards the next diet book. But we've definitely had that experience of bumping into people that haven't seen us in a while. And I, I think there are situations I could probably go into and no one would recognize me at all. Um, but it's also nice that it's it's been enough time now that most people are sort of accustomed to the way we are. And most of the time, I think the the people around me in my everyday life have kind of forgotten that I was ever big in the first place. Yeah, they just accept you for what you are now. And I'm pretty much the same. Actually, I was at a funeral a couple of weeks ago, and this guy was an old workmate of mine that died. And I hadn't seen some of these guys in about 10 years. And this guy said, oh, what happened to Graham Curry? And this bloke said, well, why don't you ask him? He's standing right next to you. And he <laughs> turned around and looked at me, and he nearly fell over. He said, oh, my God, what's happened to you? Like, he only ever remembered me as an obese guy. So I know what you're saying, but mate, you strike me as quite a confident sort of a bloke. Was that always the case when you're obese? Is your self-confidence and your self-esteem approved with IF? I think it has. I think I think the the interesting thing about fasting and I think the interesting thing about the confidence that it brings is that it's all very gradual. You know, I, I think we're so conditioned to expect that losing weight is this sort of snap your fingers thing and all the benefits that come with it we expect to just happen when you hit a magic number on the scale so i don't think i lost weight and then suddenly felt more confident i think it's been much more gradual than that if it would be it would be such an interesting experiment to me if i had um, some kind of videotape of my life at 278 and could compare it to my experience now because i think i don't i don't notice some of those things in the day-to-day 
because all of that was so gradual. I do know that how I interact with people is very different. You know, I think a lot about uh, as a as a teacher, I have to sort of perform in front of people all the time, and that isn't really my natural my natural personality. And but the way I am now with students is much more open, uh, much more free. Uh, I, I'm able to have a better connection with people, I think, because I, I don't have that barrier of the weight holding me back. Yeah, it must be incredible for your students too. I suppose that you know that you're taught when you're a, a heavy guy and then they come back to the school for a reunion or you just run over them in life. They must get blown away by that as well. Yeah, that, that was fun. I mean, the interesting thing about teaching school is that you have those kids with you for a few months and then they move on. Uh, so there was one class of kids that saw me shrink and definitely reacted to that. And now the students that I have have no idea. Like it's been too long. They, they didn't know me then. Um, so occasionally something will come up. They'll, they'll hear something. Um, someone will tell them something, or maybe they come across an old picture in a yearbook or something. And yeah, they're, they're very surprised and it is kind of fun to see that reaction, but it's also sometimes a little, uh, I don't know the word, a, a little distressing, maybe like it, it almost feels, uh, weird and uncomfortable, uh, to have someone see that because you kind of move past it and you kind of forget yourself day to day that that was your reality. And when it suddenly comes back in front of you, it can feel a little uh, disorienting. But yeah, it's a little bit of both both ends of that extreme. Yeah. And so let's talk about your lovely partner, Kim, being on board with you. And how important was it for you to have your partner living in the same house, totally on board with what you were doing? Was that a great thing to have? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we had never had that before, you know. Well, well, let me take that back. We we were on the same page if we were eating a ton of junk food and being totally bad together. Like we were great at that. Like when we were in our most unhealthy phases, we would go out and get donuts together and we would eat lots of stuff together and we definitely gained a lot of weight together. And that was fun in a way. I mean, it was dysfunctional, but it was there was a certain fun to that as well and we recognized that wasn't healthy and wanted to turn that around but for years we we did sort of our own things we we were not in sync with food at all and so when we started to do this together it was great because we could cook together we could eat together we understood what the other one was doing uh we could learn about fasting at the same time and it just it really was mutually reinforcing i mean i think i think people who live with a partner who who doesn't fast, they, I think it can be done. Uh, but there's no doubt that that would make it much more difficult to be committed and to make the lifestyle work. Oh, look, it's, I know in my case, Ryan, my partner has been on board with me from day one and she's been so supportive and she supports me in everything that I do. And I know without that support, I can't imagine what it's like having that negativity did you strike much negativity from people like you know how a lot of people say they have a lot of trouble with people telling them how bad fasting is and that sort of thing not a lot i think but mostly because i think people generally are try to be socially appropriate um i could usually tell <laughs> if, if it came up in conversation and someone was just sort of quiet and sort of nodded a little bit and said well good for you and moved on i could tell well probably you disapprove but you don't want to tell me that you disapprove. Uh, most people were pretty supportive. Um, I did have a few people here and there tell me, well, 
won't that slow your metabolism or, oh, that's crazy. Or, oh, I, I could never do that. I can't starve myself. But I think most people are, are receptive when you explain the reality of what you're doing. You know, when you, when I tell people how much I actually eat and what my day-to-day life is actually like, most people are curious about it, supportive, positive, uh, I haven't really received a lot of negativity, which is which is nice. Yeah. So let's move into the science aspect of IF, Ryan. Is, is that something that's really important to you? And did you delve into that a lot? Uh, not really. I, I wanted to know the basics of how it works. I, I, I like knowing that. I, I wanted to be convinced that what I was doing made sense and was healthy. But really, I don't focus on that too much. If I was given the choice between a, a couple of books and one was sort of a inspirational transformation story and one was a, a science heavy story, I'd be drawn more to the first one. Um, I, I appreciate that the science is there. I, I believe in the science, uh, but no, that, that's not something I, I focus too much on. I, I focus more on the results that I've seen I I'm learning more and more to sort of tap into the intuition of what I'm doing and just recognize that this just makes sense on a really deep level. And yeah. for me, and for me, I don't need the science to do that. I, if someone asked me about the science and, and said, well, you tell me why this works, I could give a very basic explanation of that. Uh, but I, I don't personally feel the need for that. And I would say to most people, um, if you want to know if this works, just look, you know, look, look at the pictures and look at the, the blood work results and, and, and look at how I eat and look at how this has gone for me. And if that's not enough for you, then, you know, look elsewhere if you need to. Uh, but I, I feel like the experience that people have with this is, is more compelling than the scientific reasons why it works. Yeah. I'm very much the same, mate. And, um, I just need to know the bare bones of how things work. I mean, I go out and I start my car. I don't need to know every single detail of why that car fires up. I just need to know that that car is going to fire up. That's right. And so when it comes into intermittent fasting, I did learn a little bit about the science and I read a little bit about it, but I find I usually get bogged down and that sort of thing. And when I've been writing my own book, I've been quite conscious of the, the science sort of fact that I didn't want to write a book bogged down in science because like you said, People want to know how you actually did it, how you actually went on the journey and what it was like for you. And if they want to get referred to the science, there's people like Jason Fung. Um, there's the Obesity Code. There's a Diabetes Code. There's a New England Journal of Medicine, which we can refer them to look at. And I say to people, I'm not a scientist. I'm a guy that was obese. I'm a guy that took my health back. I'm a guy that went on a journey. If you want to hear about that, then I'm more than happy to tell you how I did it and what I had to do to overcome it. But I'm not a scientist. But, mate, we're going to move into the maintaining side of things now. And just wanted to ask you, with weighing, was that something you did, weighing on the scales, or it didn't worry you that? Uh, I, for many years, I weighed myself all the time. Like, I, I would weigh myself the most when I was losing weight because I wanted to track if that was working. And I would weigh myself a lot to make sure I was maintaining like in the earlier phases of my life. Uh, now I kind of go through phases of weighing and not weighing. Uh, sometimes I 
hop on the scale. And if, if it looks a little higher than I thought it was going to be, I might jump on every morning for a few days just to see what's, what's happening. I don't feel hung up on it anymore. Uh, I, I, if I see that the number has gone up, I'm, I'm more likely now to tell myself, well, you probably are building some muscle instead of panicking and thinking, well, you're getting fat again. Um, so my lens has changed quite a bit. Um, I don't think the scale is a terrible thing. I think, I think, I think that just like with food, your relationship with the scale is more important than whether you hop on it every day or every week. I think it, it, for some people getting on the scale every day is dysfunctional and they read too much into the number and it's a problem. And other people get on the scale every day and just look at it with curiosity and use it as information for overall health and fitness. And that's okay too. So, yeah. you know, I, I jumped on the scale this morning, but I might not jump on the scale again for a few days or a week or a month. Uh, it just sort of, it just depends. It's very random. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much the same, but I do weigh quite a bit and I don't sort of take any notice of it because I understand the fluctuations. Like I know if I eat some carbs or whatever, whatever it may be, or have a couple of beers, then my weight's going to be up, you know, a few hundred grams or half a kilo the next day. And that's just the way it is. So I don't get hung up on it. But my take with the scales is I feel like if I had weighed more, when I was getting so obese, I may not have got that obese, mate. I didn't know what I weighed for 20 yeah. more years because in um, New Zealand and Australia, we don't have to weigh ourselves for things like insurance or driver's licenses or anything like that. And I never, ever got sick. So I was never at the doctors. I was never at a hospital. So I never really knew what I weighed until I started retaking my health. And when I weighed myself, I got a bit of a shock, but I, I sort of knew I was big, but I didn't think I was that big. So, mate, now you're maintaining. Let's talk about that. Did you find it was a different mindset to when you were losing the weight? A little bit. I mean, I think I, I think I always thought when I was losing weight or trying to lose weight before that maintenance was going to be something different than what it's turned out to be. I thought there was going to be a bigger shift. I thought I would have to do something different. Like I was going to have to recalculate everything I did and, and how I did it in order to, to sort of transition from this one thing, weight loss to this other thing, maintenance. And with fasting, I haven't really found that to be true. I never, I didn't change anything. You know, I just continued to maintain a clean fast and eat a window that moved around more as I maintained, but I, I still kept a fairly tight window. I ate what I wanted to eat. Um, sometimes I ate what I thought was too much. And sometimes I ate and thought, well, that probably wasn't enough today, but it all just seemed to balance out. I didn't add new foods or take foods away. I, I, I didn't really have to do that. I just let fasting sort of sort it out. And so what I do every day is not different. I think mentally things changed a lot because some of the old emotional stuff that propelled me to eat too much in the first place started to come up without food to stuff it down. And so maintenance for me hasn't been about weight loss and physical stuff. It's been more about, um, you know, dealing with psychological garbage and, and sorting that out so that I don't go back to old habits and potentially gain weight again. Yeah. You mentioned the physical side of things there. What about exercise on your journey with IF? Was that something you were doing up to when you started to maintain? I've ne uh, Yeah, a little bit. But I, my approach to exercise with fasting has, has changed a lot. I had a, a really deep curiosity about yoga for years. 
and would watch yoga videos, but never do them. And then finally, around the time I started fasting, maybe a little before, I finally did a yoga video um, and liked it. it. It just spoke to me. It felt, it, well, it didn't hurt. That was the biggest thing that was a plus for me because I was used in my earlier attempts to lose weight. I always worked out in some crazy way or, or tried to run, which is, was foolish at the weight I was at, or you know, tried to lift weights. And it always hurt me and I didn't like it. Uh, but when I started doing yoga, it didn't hurt. It felt kind of gentle. It felt kind of intuitive. It, it just felt good. So I, I kept doing that. So I, I do yoga every day. I walk a lot and that's it. I haven't done like some intense workout thing in a long time. And I don't really see that happening. Uh, maybe someday I'll decide, oh yeah, maybe you, maybe I do want to try CrossFit and maybe I'd be fit enough to do that. But I, I don't feel the need. I, I'd rather just move around a little more naturally and, and do things that that increase my overall fitness without exercising for its own sake. Yeah, you just feel great in your own skin. You're not really worried about, you know, being the buffest guy in the gym and that sort of thing. You're just happy the way you are. And I'm pretty much like that too, Ryan. And my theory about the exercise was when I was 360 pounds, Exercise was a drag. And every time I started a diet with exercise involved, I'd just give up because I got sick of it. It was just, it was just an effort to walk around the block or do anything. And then I, I made a decision that I'm going to use my abusive behavior with food, get rid of that, get rid of my addictions. And then I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to take up intermittent fasting. I'm going to stick to it and see what happens. And then when I started getting the results and the weight started coming off fairly quickly, and I lost that 100 pounds within eight months, then I thought, okay, I'm going to start exercising. And one of the things I was very fortunate with is I didn't have a lot of loose skin. I mean, I'm a tall guy. I'm six foot five. And then when I lost all that weight, a lot of people said to me, oh, you're going to have a lot of loose skin. But I really didn't. Did you have any problems with loose skin at all, Ryan? Or is it um, just sort of body recomposition now? I, I definitely have some. I mean, I can't say that everything snapped back to normal i think i abused my body for way too long to to fully erase those signs i definitely have some loose skin around my belly especially uh and i have some stretch marks here and there i, I i'm pretty fortunate that when i'm clothed you can't really tell um i can definitely um you know, one of the things that's been a, a thrilling sign of success for me is that if I see myself in a, in a full length mirror, I can see a straight line down my chest to my stomach to my belt buckle downward. And even when I lost weight the other times, something was always hanging over my belt buckle. Like even when I was thin, I still had a gut hanging over that belt buckle. And now I don't. And for me, that's such a simple sign of success. So yeah, there's some loose skin under there, but it's far less than I thought I would have far less than I've had in the past. And I still have the sense that as I do yoga, as I continue to eat well and, and continue to fast, that is probably still changing. And that's kind of a thrill too, to realize that, well, I'm 48 now, I can't undo the years of, of bad eating, but maybe things are still going to get better as I you know, head towards 50 and beyond. And I never would have thought that was true. You know, if yeah. you asked me at 29. And you talk to people that have done IF for quite some time. I just spoke to John Jerry Saunders, um, who you may know JJ from the um, Delay Don't Deny Facebook groups. 
Yep. And he looks amazing. I mean, that yes. guy is 61, and how ripped does he look? And yeah, he, he was saying, and uh, he just said that over time, that just body recomposition, and he does a few push-ups a day. He doesn't really do a lot. He just does it consistently. Right. Yeah, right. he just looks amazing. He does. He, he definitely does not look his age. And I think people have, have told me that. Uh, one thing that's been kind of thrilling for me is that occasionally I, I teach ninth graders. So they're, they're 14 and they, they don't have a, a strong filter and what they will sometimes ask you. And every school year, kids will end up asking at some point, well, how old are you? And I always reply to that question by saying, how old do you think I am? Yeah. And they often, when they're being serious about the question, will say a number far you know, less than my actual age and are surprised when I tell them how old I am. So I, I think there's something about fasting that does, it, it just reverses the clock. Yeah. So we'll move in now, mate, until the stage where you and Kim decided to write your book, uh, Unbelievable Freedom, The Super Shrinking Smiths, and you certainly are that. How did that come about? And was that a, a long time that to you made that decision to do that? Actually, no, it happens super fast. And it really is because of uh, Kim's drive and determination. If it had been up to me, it probably would not have happened like that at all. Um, we, we were very active in Jin's groups and, and people were very interested in our story. We were getting a lot of attention. And Kim suggested it to me, like, let's write a book. Like people are interested right now and, and maybe this could help people. Let's, let's write a book. And she sort of convinced me to do that. So we wrote it very quickly over just a couple of months and, and got it out there. Uh, I, I was happy to do it, but I, I felt very carried along by that, that process. I never expected it to uh, go anywhere really. Uh, but I hoped that I, what, what I expected to happen was that people in the group, people in the community uh, might read it. I, I didn't think it would go beyond that. Um, but I, I'm certainly glad that we, we did it because clearly it's, it's made an impact for some people. Yeah. And it's more of a, um, part memoir too i suppose and and as you said it's about your journey and, and kim's journey and how it has changed your life and i love that title unbelievable freedom because i can really resonate with that and i remember when i saw that book and i read it and i thought everything in this makes so much sense and i'm like you i would much rather read a book about somebody's transformation and their journey and, this, and the ride that they've been on together and you also wrote a book, Ryan, called Fasting is the Foundation. Could you just tell us a bit about that one as well? Sure. Um, Fasting is the Foundation is a workbook. It's, um, it's geared towards men. I, I wanted to write something that would um, let uh, men know that there were benefits to fasting besides the obvious ones. I, I wanted to get the message out that... Um, Weight loss is great. It's important for your health, but it's not, it's not the finish line. There, there's other parts of your life that are impacted by fasting, um, your relationships, your, your, uh, your relationship to your purpose, like what you want to do with your life can change and, and your overall outlook on the world can change. So it's, it's a bit of a, a, a light sequel to Unbelievable Freedom, I guess, but uh, directed towards other men who maybe want to lose weight and live a more, you know, normal life. You know, I, I don't relate well to people who 
want to be big muscular dudes you know that that is just not something i'm interested in and i find there are lots of men out there who just want to be healthy they want to be active they want to have the 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 tools to live a good well-rounded life and they don't necessarily want to be a triathlete or something like that and so i i wanted to 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 speak to them so i put out a workbook to um share what what my life has been like and how I've, I've changed in hopes that I could help other men jump on board with fasting and experience that as well. Yeah. It's a great read. And the takeaways I got from that mate was you talked about fasting, gave you that space to tackle some of the issues that you had with food and you broke it down into those areas of, of food, movement, mood, love, and purpose. And I really feel that they're so important and love in particularly. And for me, mate, the light bulb moment came for me when I started loving myself first. When I started loving myself first and I stopped loving my addictions to food and sugar and fast food first, everything changed. The way I thought about myself, the way I thought about everybody around me, the way I spoke to people, the way I acted, all of a sudden the game changed. And love is such an important driver. And I know you and Kim have that special bond having gone through all this. And now you guys have gone on to write these great books. And I know it's now a brand, Unbelievable Freedom. And how many books has Kim put out now? It's quite a few, isn't it, with the workbooks oh, and all that? It's a lot. Yeah, she's got a lot. I think she has 18, I think, in the series now um, about a variety wow. of about a variety of topics, not all directly um, related to fasting, but about lots of different areas of of personal growth and development. And she she's working on a lot of different things to get that message of of how to enjoy your life and how to live a more um, free uh, and joyful life. Uh, and you know, I'm toying with lots of ideas too of what I might like to do next. Uh, but but mostly, we just want to try to live by example and let people see what we're doing in whatever form that takes, and, and hopefully, um, learn from that and and choose to make some positive changes for themselves. Yeah, I know Kim's gone on to a few new things and you better give her a podcast to mention, mate. What's the name of the Kim's podcast? It's the Unbelievable Freedom Podcast. Um, she's She's been um, enjoying doing that and, and having um, quite a bit of success with that. I've, I've been a guest on her podcast a couple of times now, uh, which has been kind of fun to, to work together in that space. Um, so yeah, she's, she's doing great things. And I think there's going to be a lot more to come. What about yourself, mate? Is it coaching and mentoring something that interests you with IF down the track? I don't think so, at least not in the way that most people um, mean that. I, I think I definitely want to write something else. I'm not sure what or when I, I'm very curious about writing fiction and I'd like to go in that direction at some point as well. I don't see myself as a coach and mentor in a formal way. Uh, but I, I definitely uh, feel like I will be a part of this community and I will be looking for ways to share my story in a lot of ways going forward. Yeah. I noticed in your bio there, you talked about your love of comic books and so forth when you were a child, how'd that come about? It's just always been there. I remember being, you know, just a little kid and just being fascinated by Saturday morning cartoons and superheroes. And, and I think now that maybe my fascination with, with superheroes and, and comic books had something to do with the theme of transformation, because I would, I would see those characters able to turn into other things or, or go from sort of mild mannered, normal people into 
you know, great, strong heroes. And I, I sort of grew up with this fantasy that, hey, someday you will find a way to not be fat and unhappy. You know, I, I think I was always looking for a way to transform. I didn't know how to do it. And it took me a long time to figure it out. But I think that's why I was drawn to those stories. And, and, I, and I still am. Yeah, transform you did, mate. So I just wanted to touch on life post-obesity, mate. I don't know about you. Uh, what we have in common is we both lost an enormous amount of weight. I had a few issues um, with identity crisis, just sort of accepting the fact that I wasn't obese because I'd been obese for four decades of my life. And then it was really weird, mate. It was like being beamed up by the Star Trek Enterprise and then beamed back down onto the street and everything was different. I'd walk through shopping centres. Nobody would look at me. Nobody would make a comment about my weight. There wasn't that child on public transport that would scream out, hey, mum, look at that fat guy. There was none of that. And all of a sudden, life just changed. I'd get onto an aircraft, and I've done a lot of traveling in my life, Ryan, and I've traveled around the world a fair bit, and flying was always terrible for me as an obese guy, and, and now it's just such a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something about I, – I don't think anyone who hasn't struggled with weight would ever be able to understand the, the small things that you can't do or you don't believe you can do and suddenly you can and how very simple things are so amazing. Like one of the the things that I find the most thrilling is when someone acts surprised when they learn that I was overweight. When they say something to me like, or if someone refers to me as like, oh, well, you've always probably been a fit guy or something like that. And And I realize that nobody can tell. Like I don't have like, fat guy tattooed on my forehead and and people can't tell you know and that that is still after all this time still a bit of a revelation you know i love i love those moments when someone is shocked and perceives me in a way that i always wish i could be perceived but never thought i would be yeah i remember going to a specialist and um not long ago actually and he didn't know my history and and he wrote a referral and on the letter he put, Mr. Curry is a tall, slim man. And I started <laughs> laughing at the surgery. He said, what are you laughing at? And I said, oh, you describe me as a tall, slim man. And he said, well, you are a tall, slim man. And then I explained that I was 360 pounds or 157 kg in our language. He said, no way. And I showed him a few pictures and he nearly fell over. And he, he, then he said, sit down there for a minute and I want you to tell me all about this intermittent fasting. And he wrote down the name of Jin's books. And yeah, I've had that reaction many times. And I find when I'm telling people about intermittent fasting, I don't tend to sort of gush out, hey, I lost, you know, 160 pounds, whatever it was, and 132 pounds. And I sort of lead with um, the more about the health benefits and how things like psoriasis cured for me. And I always say to people, even though I did lose that 130 pounds, the health benefits that came to me with intermittent fasting, the way it rewired my life, the way it made me love myself first, it was so worth it, mate. It wasn't just all about the weight loss. And you and I are guys that have lost a lot of weight. And you probably agree with me. It's so much more than just weight loss. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think people think that losing weight is the point. And I think we need to shift it to say that that having excess weight on your body, excess fat on your body is a symptom of overall bad health. It's it's and losing weight is not the goal in and of itself. 
but it's very hard to tell people who are overweight that that's true. I wouldn't have believed that when I was overweight. Like when I was overweight, I just wanted the answer. I didn't want to be told, oh, well, losing the weight will just come when you improve your health. Like that, that wasn't what I wanted to hear. And so I think people don't, don't really understand that when you're putting on a lot of weight, there's other things going on. And overall health is more important than a number on a scale or even the size of a, you know, your pants or, or whatever. And that when you're doing things to improve your health, the weight thing will sort itself out and, and you will have that, but you'll have even more than you thought. You're going to get more than you bargained for when you do intermittent fasting. Like it's fine to start because you want to be thin, but there's so much more that's going to come with that. Oh, I couldn't agree more, mate. It's, um, it's a real revelation and it's something that I hope does go more mainstream. And what's your dream with IF, Ryan? Do you see it becoming more mainstream and helping the uh, battle against the obesity epidemic in the future? Uh, I'm torn. Sometimes I'm very hopeful and I feel like, um, yes, that people are going to embrace this, that people are going to realize, oh, this is a natural, intuitive way to eat. This is how animals do it. Like nobody ever tries to force feed a wild animal every two hours. We understand that you don't have to eat every two hours if you are a wild animal, but we somehow change the rules for us. So I, I feel optimistic that maybe there'll be a cultural shift where people will say, we need to get to a more natural way of eating and this is it. Uh, but sometimes I struggle with the cynical side of me that says, you know, there's a lot of companies that are selling a lot of products and some of them are going after intermittent fasting. You know, there are products out there that, that claim you can eat this thing while you fast and that's ridiculous. And so I do worry that, that people will sort of get sucked into that hype and that, that commercial machine and that, uh, some people will, will be claiming that they're doing fasting when in fact they're not. So I, I really hope that the true spirit of intermittent fasting wins out here and that more and more people hear about it. And I think the only reason that, or the only way that's going to happen is if people who have had success with it, speak out about it, talk about it and, and, and live that example for people. Yeah, that's great. I um, had a great conversation with a lady in New Zealand today that's working in a, um, a doctor's clinic and, those doctors have all got on board and they are treating uh, diabetes too um, with intermittent fasting rather than insulin. So that's really encouraging, mate. We're going to wrap it up in a minute, but I really want you to be able to give somebody out there that may be just starting out or listening to this podcast and thinking, man, those two guys talking have lost a lot of weight. Can you give some advice on sort of where they should start and how they should start and just some final words of motivation, mate? I would, I would just say this, if, you, if someone wants to try intermittent fasting, they just have to commit and trust the process, even when it doesn't feel natural to them yet. Just, just trust the process. Try to stop overthinking every decision you make around food. If you clean fast, open your window, eat and close the window, you don't have to micromanage every bite your body will work with you and will help you. And for the people who are skeptical of that, I would just say, look at people who have done it. You know, I have been, I have been overweight most of my life. And at no point when I was overweight, did I think it would end up being this 
easy in some ways and this this freeing. And I know that when people are at the height of their weight, when they're really struggling, it's hard to hear a success story beyond sort of the surface glitz of a before and after photo. But it, it can be done. It's it's real and and you have to just trust. Try it, trust and and let it happen. Yeah, that's great, great advice, mate. And sum it all up, unbelievable freedom, and as you guys have. And I really recommend to people that they have a look at Kim and Ryan's book, Unbelievable Freedom, because it's so motivating and uplifting about their transformation as a couple. And also the book Fasting is the Foundation, I found really helpful, particularly for men. I think it was really great. And Ryan is a shining light as is his wife, Kim, who I hope to get on the podcast as well. But Ryan, thank you for joining me on the Fasting Highway, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Okay, take care, mate, and say good day to Kim. I will. Okay, thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. Well, that was great. I really enjoyed that chat with Ryan. What a delightful man he is in such an amazing transformation that he himself and his wife have gone through together. And their book, Unbelievable Freedom, certainly sums that up in that title. But anyway, on Sunday, coming out in episode 12, we're going to be talking with Sarah Cull. And Sarah is a nurse from New Zealand in Auckland. And she's been doing a lot of work in her medical surgery she works at with patients that are obese with diabetes too, where the frontline treatment is intermittent fasting. And it's a fascinating insight into what can be done by the medical fraternity when it comes to treating obesity and diabetes too. And Sarah's own journey is truly remarkable as well. So join us for that in episode 12, coming out Sunday here on the Fasting Highway. Until then, be safe, stay well, and remember, Clean fasting is everlasting.